Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Do you like to listen? This episode of History Goes Bump is entirely listener-supported. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 239th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. On today's episode, we're going to West Virginia. We haven't done too many locations over here. And our listener, Victoria Brooks, said, please do something in West Virginia. And she suggested the Keith Albee Theater. So that's what we're featuring on this episode. Please excuse the fact that my voice is off. That cold that I had a couple weeks ago has decided to hit me again now that my immune system has been totally crippled. And uh, oh, I tell you what, Denise, I highly advise people don't ever get a kidney stone, whatever you do. No, I would highly recommend not doing that either. I've been through one surgery, and if this drops on time, which will be a miracle, I will uh, be getting my second surgery and hopefully have all of this past me. But I was literally begging Denise to kill me, so it has been a really rough week for me. Also want to apologize. I do realize in our last episode that we got the name of the band wrong for Lane Staley. I know that he sings for Alice in Chains. I have Alice in Chains albums. I don't even listen to Pearl Jam, but I was looking at stuff for grunge and somehow my brain interacted with my fingers and I ended up typing Pearl Jam. I didn't catch it in editing. So thank you for all of you that sent us the correction. It has been corrected. So if you listen to the episode, it's saying the right band name now. Well, Denise, we are in a new year and I'm very excited. 2008. 18 has a lot on tap for us. Yes, it does. It is going to be so much fun. I've been putting all of our dates on the calendar of things that we're going to be doing that are spooky and fantastic, and I cannot wait. We have a live show coming up. We're going to be speaking at two podcast conventions. We have our road trip, and then we're doing a History Goes Bump trip as well. And that's just what we already know we have planned. We always end up throwing in other things along with that. We want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Jared with two R's. Hey, Jared with two R's. Monet. Hey, Monet. Dustin. Hello, Dustin. Kelly with a Y. Hey, Kelly with a Y. Anna Marie. Hi, Anna Marie. Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Zachary. Hello, Zachary. And Dave. Hey, Dave. And now, this moment in oddity. Benjamin Bathurst was a British man who was sent by the British government on a secret mission to Austria to ask them to join in a confederation to fight against Napoleon. His message was that Britain would attack the French occupying Spain if Austria would join. Things didn't work out and Austria ended up ceding territory to Napoleon. Bathurst began his journey home after delivering the message under the assumed name Coke. He told everyone that he was a wealthy merchant and he was traveling with his secretary. Bathurst had been acting very nervous and was sure agents of Napoleon were following him. He decided to leave an inn where he was staying in the middle of the night. He left his secretary to pay the bill, and he went out to check that the horses were rigged right. He walked around the horses and just disappeared. 
The valet did not see him anywhere, and he had been loading the baggage. The secretary did not see him come back into the inn. Soldiers stationed at each end of the street did not see him pass. He literally just disappeared. Many stories theorize that he had somehow run away and been lost at sea. Others say he was kidnapped and then murdered. And others say he slipped away and changed his identity. The only thing we know for certain is that he walked around his horses and was no more. And that certainly is odd. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> That's just silly. What you should be afraid of is the thing that watches you sleep. <laughs> and now, this month in history. In the month of January, on the 1st in 1962, the Beatles auditioned for Decca Records and were turned down. The members of the Beatles at that time were John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Pete Best. They traveled from Liverpool with their roadie, Neil Aspinall. Brian Epstein met up with them later as he decided to take the train. They nearly missed their 11 a.m. audition with Decca because of the snowstorms. The boys were eager to seal the deal. A representative from the company had already seen them perform live, and he was not impressed, so they hoped the private audition would win the contract. They were thrown off at the beginning of the audition because their amplifiers were considered subpar, and so they had to use some that Decca owned and they were unfamiliar with. The session took an hour to record. They recorded 15 songs, most of which are only available today as bootleg. Another group had auditioned that day as well, and that was Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Decca Records could only choose one of them, and in a decision they clearly must have regretted later, they decided to sign Brian Poole and the Tremolos, since they were a local group and would be the easier to work with. The official reason that Decca gave was that guitar groups are on the way out, Mr. Epstein. Dick Rowe would forever be known as the man who turned down the Beatles, and this line became infamous. Obviously, Brian Epstein pressed on for the Beatles and took the recordings they made around to other record labels. And the rest, as they say is history. The Keith Albee Theater in Huntington, West Virginia, was a part of a national chain of theaters that hosted vaudeville shows and then eventually converted to motion picture theaters. The Keith Albee Theater also has the distinction of being one of a very few atmospheric theaters built in America. Nearly all of them are gone today. This theater has survived and has been refurbished to its former glory. All the decades of use has left spiritual residue behind. There are rumored to be several ghosts here. Join us as we share the history and hauntings of the Keith Albee Theater. Keith Albee Orpheum Theaters was a national chain of vaudeville theaters formed by the merger of the holdings of Benjamin Franklin Keith, Edward Franklin Albee II, and Martin Beck's Orpheum Circuit. The company was incorporated in Delaware on January 28, 1928 and soon the company was operating a chain of theaters across America and Canada that could seat a total of 1.5 million people. There were 700 theaters at its height. 15,000 vaudeville acts passed through the theaters, and eventually the KAO theaters were bought out by RKO, and motion pictures became the main source of entertainment at the theaters. One of the locations where Keith and Albie decided to build a theater was in Huntington, West Virginia. The first permanent settlement in Huntington was Holderby's Landing, which was founded in 1775. 
The official city of Huntington was incorporated in 1871 and named for founder Collis P. Huntington, who was one of the big four to build the Central Pacific Railroad. He and Dallas W. Emmons wanted the city to be the western terminus for the Chesapeake and Ohio Railway. The tract of land was at the mouth of the Guyandot River. Huntington boomed from that time in the late 1800s, and the city was actually the second in America to feature electric streetcars. They were eventually replaced by gas-powered buses. Things changed with the Great Flood of 1937. The Dust Bowl and the Great Depression had already hit the country hard, and this flood was devastating. For Huntington, it resulted in five people dead, millions of dollars in damage, and tens of thousands left homeless. And there is a fun fact about this, is that the movie We Are Marshall was actually filmed in Huntington. And the movie premiere was held there as well, at the Keith Albee Theater. Construction on the Keith Albee Theater began in 1926 and ended up costing $2 million to build. It was way, way over budget. They were thinking more like 250000 The Hyman brothers hired Scottish-born architect Thomas W. Lamb to design the theater in the Rococo style. The Rococo style dates back to the 18th century and was a French artistic movement. The style was ornate and featured light colors, curves, gold, and asymmetrical designs. Many of the themes were quite witty and many times incorporated Chinese figures and designs. Interiors would integrate ornate furniture, tapestry, small sculptures, and ornamental mirrors. Another unique part of the design for the theater is that Lamb chose to make it one of eight atmospheric theaters he designed. These atmospheric theaters sound like they would have been so cool to go see a show in, Denise. They were designed to create the illusion of being entertained outdoors in a magnificent courtyard. There are fox facades of various shops and village homes. So you'd look over to the side and there'd be all these. It almost would look like you have a set built up around you. Wow. And then you look up towards the dome ceiling and it looks like a blue night sky with a smattering of stars. There's even clouds that are in it. It has a really cool effect. There's only one other atmospheric theater that is left in the country besides the Keith Albee out of those eight that were built. And it's in New York. And it's been abandoned for many years. And it's been scheduled for demolition. I don't know if it's already been demolished. So that means the Keith Albee Theater will be the only atmospheric theater that was designed by Thomas W. Lamb to still be standing. Well, that's just amazing. It's so sad when we lose such grand places just to disrepair because people move on. But what's really exciting about this is that they've restored it to its former glory. So I would love to see this theater someday. Yeah, I love it when these theaters that started off as being theaters and then they switched over to being movie theaters go back to being a theater because making them into a movie theater kind of ruins the whole effect, really. The theater officially opened on May 7th, 1928. Guests entered to find a grand theater with seating for 3,000, chandeliers, intricate plaster work, balconies, restrooms for men and women that had fireplaces, smoking rooms, cosmetic rooms, and a gorgeous front lobby with Mexican Baroque styling. Inside the theater, there was a Wurlitzer organ to accompany live performances and motion pictures. This type of organ was fun in that it could create sound effects for any silent pictures shown at the theater. The Hyman Brothers innovated the theater to have air conditioning. It was one of the few places to have such a luxury. There was also a state-of-the-art heating system, so guests were comfortable all year long. Huntington's Herald-Dispatch newspaper called the theater the Temple of Amusement. That first opening featured a performance by singer Ray Samuels, some vaudeville acts, and a screening of the 1928's Good Morning Judge, starring Reginald Denning. 
People paid 50 cents for a ticket. The theater was hit hard through the Great Depression and the flood, and the entertainment industry changed. The Wurlitzer organ was removed in the 1950s, but in 2001, the Huntington Theater Organ Project, Inc. purchased a 1927 Wurlitzer organ and reinstalled it in the theater. So it's very cool. They got, a, they got their organ back again. I think it would be so cool to go watch a silent movie and have the music and everything and the sound effects be live. That would be, that would be really cool. In the 1960s, the theater was converted fully to a three-screen theater. A fourth smaller theater was added later. In 1986, the theater was added to the Register of Historic Places. The Hyman Brothers, or now the Hyman family, because this would be their children, had owned it for 80 years, and they decided to donate it to the Marshall University Foundation, Inc. in the 1990s. In January 2006, the Keith Albee Theater closed as a functioning movie theater. The foundation then passed it on to the Keith Albee Performing Arts Center Foundation. The foundation later passed it on to the Keith Albee Performing Arts Center Foundation. Many grand theaters dating back to the time of the Keith Albee were demolished, so it's really special that the citizens of Huntington decided to save their theater. Today, the theater is used for weddings, special events, touring Broadway shows, music concerts, and dance recitals. The Keith Albee shares a unique feature found in so many theaters, and that is ghosts. Several people have met their ends inside the theater, and many believe that their spirits have opted to stay at the theater in the afterlife. There are claims that this is the most haunted building in the tri-state area. Three of the ghosts reputed to be here belong to workmen, two of them electricians, and one a maintenance man. The electricians were electrocuted while working on wiring, and the maintenance man died in some way inside the modern projection room. They appear as shadow figures and fittingly mess with the lighting and other electrical parts. So I guess they know what they're doing, although if they got electrocuted, maybe they didn't. A homeless man had taken shelter in the basement, but there was no heat down there, and he ended up freezing to death. So can you imagine? He's like, yay, I'm out of the cold inside. And then it's like, oh, it's not much better Mm -hmm. in here. I know, that's sad. This location is right below the staging area. Much of the activity does center around the basement, and it is believed that this is where the electricians died as well. Ghost lore claims that the basement opens up into a system of tunnels, but we can't find anything to prove that these tunnels exist today. They may have been under the city, but they are more than likely filled in now. When you look it up and try to Google it and stuff, there's a lot of people who claim that there's tunnels, but they can't tell you where they are, what they opened up into. But as we know from many of the cities that we've toured, Denise, having tunnels underneath the city was not really unusual. Most cities seem to have had them. Yes, because in most of the stories we hear, that was a way for some of the elite to partake in not so, I guess, acceptable behavior. The most famous ghost at the theater is the lady in red. She tends to occupy the ladies' restroom on the mezzanine level. There is a mirrored parlor that leads into the restroom, and this is where she is often seen as a full-bodied apparition. The specter wears a fancy red dress and high-heeled shoes. Another bathroom at the Keith Albee is said to be haunted by a spirit, but no one is sure what is haunting it, as it only appears as more of a poltergeist-type spirit. Patrons describe feeling as though they are being watched or followed whenever they're near that bathroom. You definitely don't want to be watched when you're in the bathroom. Most theaters claim to have at least one spirit hanging around. The Keith Albee claims to have several. Is the Keith Albee Theater haunted? That is for you to decide. Sounds like a magnificent theater to check out, Denise. Yes, it does. You got to meet one of our listeners this past week. 
I sure did. It was really fun. I was just sitting at my desk working away and a guest came up to me with his little girl in a carriage. I didn't look closely at the little girl or I might have clued in sooner, but he headed right for me and he leaned down. He said, excuse me. And then he lowered his voice and said, are there ghosts here? And so I kind of looked up like, what? And still out of since it was out of the norm of where I would see a listener, it wasn't clicking in my brain. And then he goes, especially those of the spectacular variety. And then I looked at him and it was Matt Hyron. So that was super, super fun. We encourage you to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. We did get an email from Katie. She said, Hi, Diana Denise. I've been a listener to your show for about a year now, and I always find it a fun, interesting listen. Keep up the good work. I just listened to your episode about the Emlyn Physic Estate in Cape May, New Jersey, and I had to share my story with you. First, I have to say you will love Cape May. It's an adorable town and is a town brimming with history as well as supernatural stories. My husband and I have been vacationing there for years and adore it. My story about the Emlyn Physic took place about two years ago. I finally got my husband to go on one of the ghost tours with me. He swears up and down that he doesn't believe in ghosts, but he flat out refuses to go on ghost tours even for fun. What makes it even funnier to me is that he's always the one to see things, gets freaked out, and then pretends it didn't happen. Yeah, it sounds like a typical skeptic. <laughs> the Emlyn Physic House was the first stop on the trolley tour. We were on the far side of the trolley from the house. I couldn't really see much from my seat as I was the farthest away. My husband was in the aisle seat and had a much better view of the house as the tour guide explained the house. We drove on and visited several other locations, including the Southern Mansion and Congress Hall, but my husband, who is usually quick with the wisecracks, was oddly quiet. I was afraid he was upset with me because he didn't like the tour, but he politely and quietly thanked the guide after the tour. I asked him if anything was wrong when we got a little farther away. He responded quite anxiously, You didn't see it? He told me he had seen one of the lace curtains on the second floor of the house get pulled back as if someone was looking out, but no one was there. He was truly upset because he saw it plain as day, but apparently no one else had. He downplays it now, saying it must have been his imagination, but I could tell that night he was very freaked out. I believe he really saw what he says he did, even if the rest of us didn't notice. Pretty good story. Very cool. I wonder if it was one of the ants looking out or the doctor himself? Yeah, I'm not sure. I want to thank Chris for sending the cemetery pictures to us. We appreciate that. We have a couple of Apple podcast reviews to share. The first one is Tiger Dog 04. My new best friends, five stars. Thanks, ladies, for coming up with such a great podcast. I feel like I found my new best friends. I can listen to you ladies all day. Thank God I can download all of the podcasts. Makes me smile all day long. Love the variety of topics. Keep up the fantastic work. Well, thank you. Next is Anana Missy. Great show, five stars. Always on topic. Really interesting topics as well. Can listen with anyone in the car nearby without concern with what's going to be said. And Cole 66, Ghosts of History, five stars. Want to know of places that could be haunted in your area or other places? This show puts fun in the listen without being scared. Been listening for a year and haven't stopped. Keep up the great show, ladies. Well, thank you so much for those reviews. We greatly appreciate them. Well, we know this is probably going to be an abbreviated show. I just have been feeling under the weather, but I still wanted to get something out for you guys. So hope you like it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to thank our executive producer, Double AUB, for increasing your pledge. It's very appreciated. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump.
PM.